How we doing, church? Thank you so much for taking time to connect with us today. Good morning, Creston Campus. It's great to be with you. Hello to everybody back watching at St. Greg's and everybody watching at home. If you have a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app. Genesis 29 is where we're going to start. Um, we're going to jump around for Genesis 28 and 29. Um, actually, we're going to go um, into the New Testament, Old Testament. We're going to look at a few verses. Um, but we're starting in Genesis 29. This is week number two of our series called Acrostics, where we're taking one word and turning it into a bunch of words um, to make it easy for us to remember. Last week, we talked about shame, and we talked about how shame will silence you. It will hinder you. Um, it'll attack our assignment that God has given us. It'll manipulate our mindset, and it'll expect us to settle for less. And that's what the devil tries to do with shame. Um, today, today we're going we're gonna, to, well, let me set up today's message um, with a video. Check this out. Hey, Mike, you remember last week we were talking about getting shape? Yeah. Did you know Netflix has fitness videos? No way. Yeah. How about today we go to the 712 at lunch and give it a try? I'm down for that. All right, we'll see you there. If you are watching stuff like that, it's not going to work. Like you can't just decide I'm going to get some exercise videos and drink soda and eat chips and expect change. That's not what exercise is. It's not what information you can get about exercise, right? It's about what you apply when it comes to exercise. Well, the same thing is true in our walk with God. It's not enough to actually just know about God. We've actually got to grow in our relationship with him. And we we do that by applying what we know. In James, the Bible says, do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers. In other words, don't just come to church. Don't just come in here and and listen to worship, and listen to a message, and then leave out of here and forget every single thing that we talked about. Go out and actually be doers of the word. It's not enough to just know about God. Like, like seriously, when it comes to the things of God, it's not enough to just know them. You've got to apply them in order to grow. And we do that as we continue to take our next steps. As you take a next step, you should be growing. It's not enough to just know. You've got to be willing to take your next steps and grow. And so 
In Genesis 28, I know I said Genesis 29, um, but let me set this up. In Genesis 28, there is a guy named Jacob, and he has this dream about a ladder to heaven. We talked about this um, a few weeks ago. And Jacob was given a promise by God that God would always be with him throughout this journey. God's sending him on a journey, and God says, hey, I'm going to be with you the entire time. That's my promise. And so Jacob says, cool, and he takes and some stone, and he makes this pillar out of stone, and he anoints it with oil, and he names the place Bethel, which means house of God. And, and Jacob vowed from that point forward to worship God. It was an incredible experience, and we'll actually read about it in just a minute. But in Genesis 29, verse 1, after all of that happened, the Bible says this, Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. Now, I, I love the fact that it says right here that Jacob continued on his journey. See, don't miss this. Jacob has this absolutely incredible, life-changing experience with God. Like this encounter with God that's like none other. But he didn't stay there. He didn't stay at the place. He kept moving. He kept going. He kept taking his next steps. And so that's what we're really going to talk about in this message. How do we grow through next steps? Now, I want to calm everybody down and let you know I'm not going to talk about getting immersed in Christian activities. Because, like, if you're from a church background, you'll get this. If you're not from a church background, you're going to have to take my word for it. Um, When I first became a Christian, some of you know this, I've talked about this before, Um, but when I first became a Christian, I stepped into a culture that was immersed in Christian activities because they equated Christian activity with spiritual maturity. And the more activities you were involved in, that meant the more mature you were as a Christian. But in reading the Bible, you'll discover that the most active people spiritually were the ones who actually killed Jesus. So Christian activity doesn't really equate to spiritual maturity. And so once again, when I first became a Christian, we had this thing called Sunday School, which, horrible name. I don't know who came up with that name, but who wants to go to school on a Sunday, right? So Sunday School for an hour. And then after Sunday school, we went to worship service, which was like another hour, hour and a half. And then you left and you went home, but you had to come back in the evening for what was called discipleship training, which was like Bible study on a Sunday night. And when that was over, then you had another Sunday night worship service, which is like a whole other message different than the message in the morning. Like it didn't even build on each other. It was like something totally different. And so for like four, five, five and a half hours on a Sunday, you were at church. And then on Monday night, we had actual Bible study and you had to come. Like you had to be in all of this stuff. And then Tuesday night, Tuesday night, we had church visitation, which is where we would like randomly go to people's houses who were stupid enough to give us their address when they had visited on Sunday morning. And we didn't call nothing, just showed up like, hey, how are you? We're from the church. And it was just really weird. And then Wednesday night, we had prayer meeting, which, man, I went to prayer meeting for like two years. I can remember maybe like three times that we actually prayed. All the other times you just talked about people um, and their problems, but they called it prayer meeting. Um, And then on Thursday night, there was like choir practice, and everybody in the church had to go to choir practice, even if you weren't in the choir, because there was something that you needed to do. It was like also church cleaning night. It, It was crazy. There was always something to do. And so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about getting so immersed into activity that we have no time to actually focus on God. I want us to talk about 
what it'll look like at Central Church for us to really grow in our walk with God as, as a church and, and, and more importantly, um, as individuals. And we're going to do it by using the acrostic GROW, G-R-O-W. And this morning, I'm going to give you an actual exercise in growth. So here we go. The letter G stands for gracious spirit. In other words, having gratitude in all things. Listen, gratitude, and and this is something I've had to learn over and over and over and over and over again in my life. Gratitude is one of those things that will propel us forward in our walk with God. It really will. More than probably just about any other thing that we could list out here today. But we live in a culture, and I'm guilty of this, so let me just go ahead and say it. We, We live in a culture of entitlement. And the problem with entitlement is entitlement will push gratitude completely out of our lives. Um, Several years ago, this is many years ago, probably before we lived in Iowa, um, but it's probably manifested itself as I've lived in Iowa as well. But anyway, um, several years ago, we were on vacation, and and my daughter Chloe, who I often um, nickname the Holy Spirit, because she just has a way of just like cutting right through the stupidity that I have. Um, anyway, lots of stories. Um, but we were on vacation. We went to a hotel. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a hotel and a hotel has messed up your reservation. Ever happened before to anybody? Um, and so this hotel had completely botched our reservation. And so I'm upset. I'm angry at the hotel. I'm complaining. I'm fussing. I, I know you can't believe that about me, um, but in this story, it's it's true. And I was like, I can't believe that they did this, and I, and I'm really upset. And so we finally get it like worked out, and we have different rooms and the rooms that we're supposed to have, and and it was just all crazy. And so we get all the information, get our keys, and we get on the elevator, and it's like an elevator built for two. And there's like 17 people on this elevator. Um, and so I'm mad about that. And, and I literally said out loud in front of all of these strangers, all these people that I didn't know and my family, I'm like, can't believe this stupid hotel, how they screwed up our reservation. And Chloe, at the time, she's like eight years old. She said, Daddy, um, shouldn't we be thankful we have a room? So I made her sleep out in the hall just to kind of teach her a lesson. Just to not, I, I didn't, but, but she was right right? She, she was right. But because things weren't going my way, I got so focused on what I didn't have that I lost sight of what I did have. And it caused me to have no gratitude in my life. So in Genesis chapter 28, verse 16, Jacob has this encounter with God and he wakes up from the dream. And I want you to see what he says. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early in the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. This is an act of worship. We're going to talk about worship towards the end. This is an act of gratitude. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Jacob is showing gratitude. The Bible says in Psalm 1... Um, 122 verse 1, I am glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Not I was mad, not I was sad, not I was, you know, uh, whatever. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Showing gratitude. So as a church, we should always practice this thing called gratitude. We should always have a gracious spirit. We should, we should be gracious towards things. Like, like, like when people get saved, we should have gratitude, yes or no? 
Yeah, we should have gratitude. We should have gratitude when prodigals come home. We, we, we need to be a church that celebrates gratitude. You see, religion will not allow you to celebrate gratitude because religion doesn't see where prodigals came from. Religion just points to what they do and what they do not do. They point out all the things that they've done wrong. They said, hey, you've got to change and you've got to do this before you can be welcome here. But when a prodigal comes home, do you really care how they got there? No, we need to celebrate. We're going to celebrate when lost people get found. We're going to celebrate when the excluded get included. We're going to celebrate when chains of addiction are broken and people are set free and the gates of hell are pushed back a little bit further and God gets the glory for it all. We are going to be a church that's all about celebration and gratitude because the opposite is entitlement. And that's a place that none of us want to be. Amen? Now, Not only is that true about our church, but it needs to be true about our individual lives as well. If we are going to grow, then we need to have a gracious spirit. We need to be individually full of gratitude. And we take so many things for granted, don't we? Years ago, um, this is a lot of years ago again, I, I went on a mission trip to Haiti. And one of the things that stood out to me the most, I hated that trip, by the way. It was the worst mission trip I'd ever been on. I was gone for two weeks, and it was, it was absolute hell. It was awful. But one of the things that I'll never forget is how hard that the people had to work. Many times, the places I went to visit, how hard they had to work just to get water into the houses and their villages. You hear stories about people walking one mile, two miles. I didn't hear it. Like, I saw it with my own eyes, people walking one, two miles to get water. It was horrible. It was awful. And, and I watched, and one day I participated in it, and it was, it was absolutely miserable. And I remember thinking about it, and I remember being like this big area of concern. And then I came home, <laughs> and I forgot all about it. Because that's what happens when you go on a mission trip. You come home, and you, 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 while you're on a mission trip, you think about all the things and how awful everybody has it. And, and, and then you, you make all of these decisions, like when I get home, everything's going to be different. And then you come home. And a lot of times, you're just glad to be home. And I remember coming home, and one morning, I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm just like not even thinking about anything. And, and I just looked down and saw the running water, and, and it just clicked with me. It's like, man, I've got running water. It was a moment to just actually stop and just say, thank you, God, for something that I clearly lose sight of so often. So how many times this week when we get frustrated— is it an, actually an opportunity to practice gratitude? Like, for instance, the next time you're in a drive-thru and it's not going fast enough, like we've all been there, right? Just, just stop and think. Instead of, this isn't going fast enough. Like, think about the fact that people are cooking you food and they're going to bring it to your car and you don't have to go inside. That's an opportunity for gratitude, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. Or when you're at your grocery store, and you're behind the little old lady. And listen, 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 listen. I'm not, I'm not trying to like say, it's just the truth. It's always the ladies, right? The little old lady that has 48,000 coupons and writes a check. You get behind her. It's a chance to say, you know what, God? I'm in a store full of food. There's all kinds of stuff here. Maybe I should just go around and find something else and maybe I miss. I, I don't know. But like it's an opportunity for gratitude. The next time you're driving in traffic and somebody is going slow in the left lane. That's an exception. You don't have to be gracious there. Um, But in all other situations, we have an opportunity to show gratitude. So here's an opportunity 
for spiritual growth. Here's an exercise in spiritual growth for this week. For each point today, I'm going to give you an exercise to try. For gracious spirit, the exercise is just sit down at some point this week and write out three things that you're thankful for. Just tell God, thank you for these things. Thank you for these things. This is an exercise in growth. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it'll make a huge difference in our lives. By the way, in Matthew, in Matthew, um, we see that gratitude often precedes blessing. Jesus, in the feeding of the 5,000, there's, there's a couple stories where he feeds multiple thousands of people. And, and each time when he feeds the 5,000, Jesus gave thanks before the miracle ever took place. And so maybe, just Maybe, just maybe, just, just, just throwing this out there. Sometimes the reason the miracle doesn't take place is because we don't have an attitude of gratitude that actually ushers the miracle in. It's probably a whole other message for another time. But for now, I'll just leave that out there, that gratitude often precedes a blessing. So, gracious spirit, that's the first part. That's letter G. Um, letter R stands for a word I hate, Rest. Rest. I hate, that's like a four-letter word, man. I cannot stand this word. Rest. Now, just a really quick question. Just think about this. It's, um, what's the date? It's like the middle of July, right? The year is halfway over. So, this year, how many of you would say that in the first half of the year, at least one time, um, just once, just one time, you've experienced a significant amount of stress. How many of you would be honest and say that? And anybody? Like, all right, that's probably much everybody. Notice my hand is way up, way high. Here's what I want to say about stress. And, and this is just my experience. Um, you, don't, you don't have to agree. This is, just, this is just from Pastor Ryan. Sometimes stress happens and it just happens, right? I mean, sometimes stress happens and it just, it just happens. But oftentimes, an increase in stress is directly connected to an unwillingness to rest. Anybody, anybody buy into that? Let, let, me, let me say that again. Oftentimes, an increase in stress is directly connected to our unwillingness to rest. That, that's true for me. That's 100% true for me. I, I know it's true physically, and, and I, I know it's true for you as well. I listen to this podcast called Grow or Die. Um, it's not a Christian podcast, all right? So, um, it, it like it says like the God podcast, but it's for grow or die. Not a Christian podcast. It's probably how I got originally like tricked into it. Um, don't run into it if you think like it's going to be a Christian podcast. It is not. It's far from Christian. But it's one of my favorite things to listen to. Um, is this bodybuilder? His name is, his name is Justin, um, and he talks about bodybuilding stuff. He talks about working out in the gym, which obviously I don't listen to that um, and apply it. Um, but he talks a ton about leadership growth. It is, it is really, 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 really good. And a few weeks ago, he was talking about people who work out too hard in the gym. And he was talking about stress. And he was talking about like, hey, you need to work your chest one day a week. You need to work your biceps one day a week. And you need to work your legs one day a week. And, and after, after you work them, you need to let them rest. And, and he said this. He said, stress is good. He, he went through this whole thing. And he said, he said, some stress is good because it stresses the muscle. He said, but after you stress the muscle, you have to give it time to rest because that's how it grows. That is so good. 
to think about when it comes to our relationship with God, our relationship to others, and our walk with Jesus, to think about how important rest is. I want to go back to this story in Genesis 28, and I want you to look at, at verse 10. It says this, Jacob left Beersheba and headed to Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night. This, this, is, before, this is before he has the encounter with God, right? This is before he has the dream. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. And after that, after that, he had a life-changing encounter with God. Don't miss that. He had a life-changing encounter with God when he stopped to rest. When he stopped to rest, he had a life-changing encounter with God. See, sometimes we feel like, our relationship with God is all about what we do for God. When in reality, oftentimes it's just resting and realizing all that God has done for us. Let me say that again. Sometimes we think it's all about the activities that we do for God. But many times spiritual growth is the result of us stopping and realizing all that God has done for us. And maybe... Maybe the exercise this week, and, and this will be hard for some people, this will be really hard for me, but maybe the exercise this week is just to cut your phone off for five minutes. Turn the computer off for five minutes. Shut off all your electronics for five minutes. For five minutes, shut everything down and just say, hey God, what is it that you would say to me? And be still. Be still for five minutes. It's funny, um, we quote this verse all the time, but we never apply it. In, in, in Psalm 46.10, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Not be active, not be busy, not be stressed, not be bogged down with activity. And, and, and I'm the world's worst at this. But the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. So as a church and as individuals, we need to continually take time to rest. Listen, it's okay to work hard and play hard. We're going to do that. We're going to do that as a church. We're going to work hard. We're going to play hard. But we're going to take time to rest because God says to rest. Rest is essential for spiritual growth. So, gracious spirit, rest. The letter O stands for an openness to God's will. An openness to God's will. What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in your life that you're fighting against right now? That you're closing him off? That you're really, really, really hard resisting? Years ago, um, I'll make a long story short, I had, I had like diverticulitis and, um, and I needed surgery. Um, I went to the doctor. The doctor said, hey, dude, you need to have surgery. And the surgery is, is, is going to be pretty simple. You know, they're going to go in and you'll be down for a few days, blah, 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 blah. It'll be like laser surgery. It's be really simple. I said, uh-uh. What do I need to do to avoid surgery? He said, nothing. Dude, you need to have surgery. I said, man, I don't have time for surgery. What else can I do? He said, well, you can try this. And I tried that, and it wasn't working. I still had the problem. And he said, you need to have surgery. I said, what can I do to not have surgery? He goes, well, I guess we can try this. And I tried that, and it wasn't working. I went back. He said, dude, you need to have surgery. You need to have surgery like, like now. You, you need to get it done. I'm like, nah, what else can we try? And so ended up going to like the hospital three times a day for two hours at a time, getting like IV antibiotics. And um. 
and trying that. And, and eventually, like, that didn't work either um, because, like, for months, I kept telling him, trying all of these different things. And, and long story short, I ended up in the ER needing emergency surgery because the thing had exploded. Here's the point of the story. The entire time, he was trying to help me. He knew what was best for me. He knew exactly what I needed. He knew exactly what had to happen. But I wasn't convinced that he knew how to help me. And I spent a lot of time trying to fight him. I spent a lot of time trying to do things my own way, trying to avoid what I ultimately knew had to happen, but I didn't want it to happen. And so I figured if I just did this, 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 and this, then this wouldn't ever happen. And so I wasn't open to receiving help. So with that in mind, let me ask you this question, and only you can answer this question. Are you open to what God wants to do in your life, or are you fighting him? Are you fighting what God wants to do in your life, or are you open? Like, like, like seriously, do, 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 you, do you spend a lot of time trying to fight him, or are you open to just say, God, wh- wh- whatever is your will? Because here's what I've discovered personally. Th- this, is just, this is just for me. It's probably not for anybody else. But I can wear myself out fighting God when at the end of the day, and we say this all the time, his plans are greater than our plans for us. His ways are greater than our ways for us. And at the end of the day, God really does want immeasurably more for us than we want for ourselves. But because of that, we won't be open, like, because, because we, we, we want our way, we won't be open to what God wants. And so we should learn to be open to God's will and just say, you know what, Lord? I don't know what you'd want to do in my life, with my life, but here I am, I'm open. Now, let me, let me pause real quick and let me just say this. This is a really, 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 really easy concept to teach on. It's not an easy concept to follow through on. Every single person here, we've all known what God wanted to do in our life and we fought him on it or we've resisted him or we've simply said, no, I don't want to do that. And if, if that's how you felt, I want, I want to bring you some comfort today because even Jesus wrestled with being completely open. Now, I know for some of you, that completely blows up your Sunday school theology of who Jesus is. But th- there's a myth that you've always carried around that Jesus just did everything and everything was all great. But, but I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 26. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. This is, this is the night that, before he's about to be crucified. And we always focus on, on the last part of this prayer, but we never really look at the first part of the prayer. This is what Jesus prayed in Matthew 26, verse 39. He went a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. In other words, Jesus is saying, Hey, God, I'd rather not do this. You ever seen this? You ever seen Jesus saying this? He's like, Hey, God, I'm not excited about the beating. Hey, hey, Dad, I'm not excited about the crucifixion. I'm not excited about death. I am not excited about any of this. But here's the key, and this is where this all comes around, and this is what we need to learn to do. He finishes it by saying, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. In other words, Jesus was honest enough. Remember, we we spent the past several weeks, even in the last series and last week, talking about how God wants us to be honest, talking about honesty with God. Jesus was saying, hey, this isn't the path 
that I would have chosen, but I'm open to your will. And he went through a crucifixion, with, which led to the resurrection. And sometimes, sometimes when we say yes to God, we don't see the blessings immediately. But I believe if we hold on, we'll see them eventually. Listen, this is what I've learned just in ministry and in my own life and in ministering to others. The most out of control area of our lives is probably the area where we're least open to do what God wants us to do. Like, you don't have to be a Christian to agree with that. Like, like you just know. The most out-of-control area of our life is likely the area that we're least open to doing what God wants us to do. And so, here, here's a spiritual growth exercise for this week. What is the area of your life that you know God is speaking into that you're resisting him the most? Listen, I resist, you resist, we all resist. But would you take the words of Jesus this week and just say, not my will, but your will. Jesus, just not what I want, but what you want. And just be open. As far as being a church, we're always going to be open to what God wants to do. We're going to be open to where God wants to take us. We're going to be open to the type of people that God wants to bring into our building. It's probably another message for another time. But we're going to be open. Open. Open to what God wants us to do. So, grateful spirit, rest, Open to God's will. The letter W stands for worship. Worship. If we're going to grow, we need to worship. Which I'm going to go ahead and say and, and, and let you know, worship is a, is a confusing word. It is. I sat down with Mike this week, and, and I wanted like a definition of worship, and I'll get to that in a, in a second. But like worship is one of those things that we have, we've taken, and, and the church world has stripped it down and neutered it, to mean just simply singing. We, we've taken a word that has profound implications and we've said it's singing. S- singing is a part of worship, but worship is way more than just singing. I, I'll, I'll never forget the first time, this is a true story, the first time I went into a church um, where they raised their hands for worship. And, and I was confused because I'm like, that person has a question while they're singing? That person has two questions during the, I don't, I don't understand. Like I was literally confused about it. And people were telling me, oh, they're worshiping. And so like we've taken a word that can mean so many things and we've reduced it down to somebody raising their hand in service. But, but people who raise their hand in service aren't always worshiping because I've seen with my own eyes and, and you've been in the church world too and you've seen this too. I've seen people with one hand raised and one hand checking their cell phone, double tapping like one things, sometimes swiping right on things, which is probably another message for another time. But I'm like, that's not worship. That's not worship. Worship. And, and this, this can be an entire series wrapped up into this one word right here and what worship really is. But for day, today, the simplest definition I could come up with this week, and I got this out of a book, but worship is our response, both personal and corporate, for, to, to, for God, to God for who he is and what he has done. That's the simplest definition of worship. Our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is, and what he has done. That's a Louis Giglio book. That quote came out of there. I, I didn't check to see is it his quote or somebody else's, but we're going to attribute it to him. All right. So while raising our hands in worship service is one thing, for me, like from time to time, I'm just going to be honest with you. Eating a medium rare porterhouse steak is worship. 
Now, I know some of you are like, no, it can't be. Well, you've never had a steak from Bordeneros and grilled it to 135 degrees because it's always worship. Always worship. Because if you'll take a bite and pause and just think, God didn't have to bless us with taste buds, but he gave us the ability to taste. And this steak, as it like explodes juice into your mouth, is amazing. And it's awesomeness. And it's absolutely incredible. Listen to me. Worship can be a moment where we just stop and we recognize the work of God in our lives and we're thankful for it. That is an attitude of worship. Anytime we do that, anytime we do that, we take another step in our spiritual growth. And so this week, the exercise, one of the things I would recommend when it comes to worship is to really focus in on who Jesus is and what does Jesus want to do in your life. Who Jesus is and what does he really want to do in your life. And you can easily do that by spending some time reading your Bible. Just just reading your Bible. Like, just read it. Just read it and pray. And I have some people say, well... I don't really know how to read my Bible. Well, at one point, you didn't know how to ride a bike or drive. And, and you figured that out, right? It, it really is this exercise where we just step into it and worship. Starting our day in worship in a time of Scripture is really, 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 really a good way to get our mind focused. And so what would it look like this week? Like, you, you don't have to do this. This is just a recommendation. But what would it look like every day this week if you just said, every morning I'm going to get up five minutes early and I'm going to read a psalm. I'm just going to read a psalm. Tomorrow you can read Psalm 1. On Tuesday you can read Psalm 2. On Wednesday you can read Psalm 3. On Thursday you can read Psalm 4 and so on. They're not very long. The first seven or eight psalms, the ones for the first week, it'll take you like three to five minutes. But but you can stop and say, you can just be like, God, thank you for this time to worship you. And, and, then you just, and then you just move on and you just go throughout your day. Now, I know this is where a lot of people will say, well, I read for an hour a day. Well, let's just build a statue and worship you, right? It, it's not about you. It's not about what you do. Because this is the deal. In the church culture today, a lot of people love to tell you how good they are at worship. You, you ever met that person? I read my Bible for 30 minutes a day, and I journal for an hour. And, and see, a, a lot of people like to tell you how much worship they're doing. Jesus addresses this, though, and, and this is funny, and so I'm going to address it. Matthew 6, verse 1, this is what Jesus says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So if you begin to tell people how passionate of a worshiper you are, and people go, hey, good job, good for you, that's your reward. Because, well, think about it like this. Worship is not seeking man's approval. It's delighting in God's approval. Worship is not seeking man's approval. It's delighting in God's approval. Worship is not seeking man's approval. It's delighting in God's approval. Galatians 1 verse 10 says this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. This is, this is the Apostle Paul. He's saying, I don't, I don't really care what people think. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And there's a whole message in that. Worship. You know what else worship is? When somebody takes the next step in their walk with Jesus, and I don't care if it's a baby step or if it's a gigantic step, anytime somebody takes a step in their walk with Jesus, we're going to celebrate it because it's an act of worship. So 
with all of that in mind, with all of everything that I just said, when it comes to growth, let me ask a couple of questions. Has this week been a week where you've been more entitled or more full of gratitude? And I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty because you can't do anything about the past week, but you can change what happens in the upcoming week. G, gracious spirit. Is there something you need to do to just slow down? Something where you just need to take five minutes and rest and rest and rest and rest in what God has done for us rather than trying to do more for him? Can you just take some time and rest? Or how about this? Is there an area of your life where you've, you've been super close-handed and you just need to open your hand and say, yes, Lord, I want to do what you want to do. Lord, I'm open to your will in my life. And how can you this week, I've recommended reading the Bible, but how can you intentionally take some specific time to focus and really put your eyes and your thoughts on Jesus? Even if it's just for five or ten minutes, worship. How can you celebrate worship? How can you exercise worship this week? Let me just say this before we pray. Central Church is going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to reach people who are far from God. Listen, there there are so many people who are far from God. There are so many people in our area who are far from God, in Creston who are far from God. And at the end of the day, we're called not to judge them, but to reach them. And we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to do whatever it takes to connect people to Jesus and each other. And when you get connected here, we're going to continually help you grow in your relationship with God.